Welcome to the Resilient AF Podcast. I'm Alex Fresh. I'm Amelia Jackson. And I'm Bennett Knows. We believe everything vibrates at a certain frequency, and we're here to raise the vibration. You'll hear stories of incredible resilience, manifestation, and what to do when you find that even resilience has a toll. Because a bitch is tired, honey. Boom. Boom shakalaka. That's absolutely nice. And that reminds me of my daughter's dad. Don't say that ever again. (laughs) (laughs) Just triggered me. Okay, Boom Chakalaka. Such a white guy. He was born thing in to 1983. Say. Boom Chakalaka. 1983. He always said it, and I just don't want to ever hear that again, okay, to I'm be sorry. honest. Can you imagine if you were having oh, sex God. with someone and then he came and he goes, <laughs> Boom Chakalaka? What would you do? Boom Chakalaka. I'm like, I'm never seeing you again. <laughs> I'm going to say, Boom, boom. Boom. <laughs> Bennett, I followed this 90s page the other day. Why was the first thing that I saw? Boom shakalaka. What is going on with the boom shakalaka? It's coming back. No, it's not. Some things don't need to come back. And that is one. You think that's one of them? Boom. You know what I do think needs to come back? What? Parental control. (laughs) What? Oh my God. I loved that show. Yes. No. Oh, I remember that show. Do you remember those like that you could turn them into a poncho or you could turn them into a tube top and they were like fuzzy? Oh, I do. You remember? I do. And then those and then the etnies with your low rise flare bottom jeans. Oh, Everything such a look. background, but it's going to be in a different name. You think so? Name. Well, like etnies Stuart. are now like, are etnies still a thing? No. I don't even know what etnies are. What? Is that like FUBU? No, etnies like were the Jaya? shoes. Um, Jinko? Oh, they're shoes. They were shoes. And they're like, they? it's like what Ryan Sheckler used to wear, it's skating. Shh, etnies. No, I've never heard of Never heard of them. Wow. I, yes. Yes. It was and a store. No, you'd get them at Zoomies. Look them up. I've Look up de- Etnies. Yes, you I've, had to have yes. worn them. No, I didn't wear them, but I definitely heard of them. I felt like a bad bitch wearing mine when I was like 12 years old. Um, I felt like a baddie with my um, my Skechers with the lights. Oh, yep, did you have Etnies. those? I remember Etnies. It was like a basic logo with black writing. Yes. Yep, yeah. I remember. No, I never wore those. Oh, you didn't? No, I did not. Mm. It wasn't one of those girls. Oh. That was not my... I mean, I definitely... Nope. Was oh remember like the DC? They definitely look like DC. Yes, shoes. they look like DCs. Yep. Okay. I feel like they were like cousins. Definitely cousins, but it yeah. was like the wish. Okay, the Ennies was like the wish. No, but those not things as bad. were like expensive I back don't in the like day. Them. They were not as good as DCs. Oh, I felt like DCs. The people that wore those drank monsters and had you know would like and then, then ride like, dirt bikes and then the Ennies would drink rock stars. Yeah, and wear the cute furry ponchos that you could turn into tube tops. I didn't wear either. I feel like skaters mm. wore a lot of those shoes. That was I, my thing I back in the skate. day. Yeah, I liked so. skaters. Yeah, I didn't wear Vans. I wore basketball shoes. Basketball no. Jones. Jordans. Did I you? I've been wearing Jordans for a long time. Uh, yeah, no, me, I was into the skater stuff because I was trying to attract the skater boys and then I, I got not. a scooter boy instead. Scooter, <laughs> scooter boy. A scooter yeah, boy. I, I don't, I don't even like being. I don't like <laughs> the sounds of that. <laughs> He had a scooter? Baby, a scooter boy. He was a scooter boy. Like with or without a motor? Because I wanted a skater boy, okay? But I couldn't get the skater boy. So I got a scooter boy he instead. Was a skater boy. Yeah, was no. A yeah. He was a scooter boy. Oh my God. Okay, it's well, <laughs> welcome to the podcast. Hi. It's Monday morning. You know, we're here. We've made it. And we're sober. Sober. And we're not even planning on doing any drinking or mushrooms. No. This morning. No, I am going to hit this weed pad, so. But they're not that sober. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> What's your peak and fit, Bennett? Okay. So, boom. No. <laughs> so, boom. <laughs> so, 
my peak this week is I had a great weekend. I went out. I did some karaoke. I love that. Same That's really my prerogative. Stop. Yeah, Can you give us a little snippet? Yeah, do it. Do it. Do it. Just a Why? snip. Please, yes. Yeah, everybody's talking all this stuff about me. Why won't they just let me live? Tell me why. Get it, get it. I don't need permission to make my own decisions. Keep That's going, my prerogative. If I knew the words, yes, I'd be it is. Long. They say I'm crazy. Oof. I really don't care. Yeah, I mean, I know the song. I just don't know the lyrics. All okay, them, so. yeah, but I was killing it. Damn. And then I also went to a stoplight party. Really fun. Okay, what is explain. That? Yeah, explain so what a stoplight party is. Basically, a stoplight party is when they serve the drinks. You could have it in a red cup, a yellow cup, or a green cup. You get a green cup if you're single and ready to mingle. A yellow cup if it's complicated, mm -hmm. and a red cup if you're taken. Ooh, yes. that sounds like so much Super, fun. It was so much fun. So, well, what cup was yours? Green cup. Okay. And who Single and ready to mingle. Oh, shit. I went with my girl and her sister, but they both had yellow cups. Oh. So I think they were like kind of like <laughs> throwing some shade on my single game. I would absolutely I, avoid <laughs> all of the yellow cups. I don't want anything no. about that. Complication. Yeah, no. Oh, situationship. Yes. I'm good on that. Yeah. The talking, situationships. Yeah. It's just giving it's messy. It's complicated. Yeah. It's giving messy. I don't want to yeah. be a part of that. Mm -mm. I want green all the way. Oh my God. Can that you sounds so me to fun. The next one? Yes. yes. How did you yes. even find that? I don't know. I seen it on social media. Where? I seen somebody post it in their story and I was like, oh yeah, that seems cool. But then I read the flyer and it was like red cup, green cup. And I was like, okay, this is going to be. Where was it? it? What was city? In Seattle. Oh, fun. Yeah, downtown Seattle. So it was a good yeah. time. So was that your peak or pit? That was my peak because <laughs> it was know. lit and I definitely left with a couple of numbers. Okay. Hell yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> did you say your pit? I'm confused. And my pit, I didn't work a lot this week because Amazon was cleaning the warehouse, mm -hmm. but I did go into work once. And during my last break, I went out to like for a smoke break. Mm -hmm. Our workstations in our areas, it's like your desk, you feel me? Nobody's supposed to go in there. Yeah. Something was telling me not to leave my stuff there, but I left my stuff there. Oh my God, Bennett. Right? The next morning, I have all these transactions going through, not one of my debit cards, oh. but oh. both of them. My God. Oh, that's Somebody from actually. your work. Somebody from my work went into my station, went into my bag and took a picture. You know that's on camera. Yeah, it's on camera. And took a picture of my credit card and debit card. Oh, that's grimy as fuck. That's and fucked started up. started using it up. You know all they Not have to do? Not feeding themselves. No. Yeah. Feeding families like you know all they have to do for a hundred twenty dollars i'm like okay no no they might not have even have gone into there they, they could have like a little scanner thing that they just go and just like right over your bag they don't even have to go into your bag damn where are you sell those it's crazy <laughs> what are you trying to do <laughs> sell some shit <laughs> fuck what what the hell trying to be a scammer on the side <laughs> that's Open. crazy well, oh Open hell no <laughs> so did you call your bank like immediately <laughs> or immediately immediately Oh my god, that's they were fucked able up. Able to handle the situation, but it was just like I couldn't believe it. It's Fucking like, a. yo, someone really. Did you get I the camera like footage? Did you talk to your boss? What yeah. HR, no, I'm. I have to go in. To oh. Talk to them, so yeah. Ooh, they're gonna be in trouble. I, yeah, yeah. I'm like, yo, check those cameras because I will slap the shit out of someone. Seriously. For sure. Like I feel, what's the word? I feel violated. That's oh, feel like. well, yes. Yeah, yeah I would feel violated, sure. so too. That's my pit. What if it's that one guy who you didn't... Oh. The guy that was stalking me at work? Yeah. There was a guy stalking me no, at you work. No, you said he was stalking you. So he could, like, know your schedule, know what you're about. But why would he steal his debit card, though? Why not? Because he's slimy. Damn. I mean, 
mean, I didn't get that impression from him, but <laughs> I got that impression I mean, from what he's told me about him. See, that's so fucked Detective up. Detective Alex on the scene. <laughs> he was fucking popping up out of nowhere all the time for no reason. Yeah, walking past his station, which was all the way in the back co- corner. Completely, yeah, like no reason like not to in, do it. Not anywhere the other guy should be. Many times. Yeah, it was like weird. I'm like, are you stalking me? Ew, Anyhow, uh, all cameras. right. <laughs> All right, it, we need sure, we so. need to update next week. Okay, but yeah, what's good with you, Amelia? So my peak for this week, I'm switching up. I'm doing my peak first. Okay. Um, is that she's thinking about it on the spot? Um, is that <laughs> um my my oh, oh okay? <laughs> so my peak is that my car got fixed. Yay! Fuck, at least one of y'all's cars got fixed for the love of God. Yeah. 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 It was. We'll get that update soon. Okay. Yeah. I mean, and it was the stupidest fucking thing, too. It literally, I guess my key is like very like technology ish. It's a technical, I don't fucking know. Anyway, all it needed is some scotch tape and it was fine. But yeah, $500 later, we figured that out. So anyway, my car's back on the road. So thank God, because I don't like feeling like I can't go anywhere. I hate that fucking feeling. Yeah, for sure. It's not great. So I'm very happy that my car is back on the on the scene, on the road. Right, Amelia's back on the road. Watch out. Yep, back she's, on the road. She's like a granny driver, actually. <laughs> yeah, no, I really am. And I don't really drive. I'm I'm a passenger princess. Okay, well, so. that's, love that for you, yeah. as you would say. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, my pit yeah. is that I've just had a really rough week this week. It's just been really rough. Like a lot, like my car situation, um, you know, some things came up with the house. So we're going to be looking for a new one. Mm-hmm. And that just like, it really threw me off this week. It's just a lot of stress, which you know what, at the end of the day, it's kind of, it's still a peak because I wanted a new house anyway, because there were so many issues with this house. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like a pit that's going to turn into a peak. But yeah, that that's kind of, it's really, you know, it's fine. Okay. This week is, you know, Yeah, no, mid. I feel you. I feel you. This week has been just kind of, the vibe has been a little bit low. Yeah. For some reason. I've been feeling it. I've been so tired. I've taken two naps this weekend. I don't nap. So there's oh. something going on. I wonder if the Schumann resonance is high, if it's spiked. The Schumann resonance is, is like the light energy that comes into Earth, like through our atmosphere. Okay. And it's basically us evolving, us starseeds and us spiritual leaders who are open and aware. We're just evolving. Our DNA is expanding. Yeah. That's what's happened. That's How what can happens. you tell? Is there like an app for that? Like um, a- There is, okay. yeah. Oh, it's, there you it's go. It's called the Schumann okay. resonance. Yeah, there is. You can see. Oh. Yeah, you can <laughs> see. And like lately it's been really high. Some days it's like just normal, but then there'll be like weeks where it's like really spiked. Well, I think the Schumann residency. <laughs> what is it? What is it? The Schumann residence. The Schumann residence is Resonate. spiking. Resonance. Oh, resonance. No, no. Resonance. Resonance? Resonance? That's a fucking joke. Re- resonance. Resonance. Yeah, resonance. Resonance. You were saying residence. No, res. res- oh, I res- said it before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Resonance. Yeah. resonance. There's actually a tuning fork for it, actually. I would like that tuning fork. So, my house. I'm gonna need the- so, my peak is I judged a fashion show this past week and it was so much fun. Uh, yeah. How did that go? It was fun. It was at STK, which is a restaurant, and there was 10 judges or something. There was like 60 outfits, and I'm telling you, Bennett should have definitely. So, Amelia, she you submitted did. her outfit. Did you B- win? Bennett, hold on, no. Bennett. Bennett, if you submitted an outfit, you would have won. I'm not even fucking playing, Bennett. Is- Top. 
top three. There was the some is, crazy he, ass outfits in there. He hit me up and he was like, he was going through my Instagram and he was like, which one of these do you want to enter? And in my oh. head, I'm like, these are nice pictures, but if I'm going to enter a contest, I really want to go all Show out. out. If win. you saw no, the pictures, you should have seen. That inter- that's why I texted her. I'm like, you would have won something. Mm-hmm. You would have been top 10 for sure. Yeah. And Amelia, if you Damn. had an accessory or two, you would have been top 10 too. Damn. It was only because you had the boots and the thing. That yeah. was it. Yeah. You have to accessorize. Yeah. All you had to do was send in a caption or explain what your it was what hilarious was it? yours your caption because everybody else had exactly what they were wearing yeah. all of the brands right next to each of the items and hers was like a potential basketball wife <laughs> <laughs> and i laughed out loud i'm like she's a lesbian what <laughs> wnba that's yeah that's what i was thinking too I'm like, well i guess there's wnba <laughs> But no, that's not what people think when you think of a basketball yeah, wife. No, you know? I know. I'm like, it's just really funny because oh, she was wearing like a black and yellow jersey and then these black boots. And it was hilarious because everybody would automatically think that they were talking about men's basketball. <laughs> so when I said, oh, that's really funny because she's lesbian. There's a couple people who are like, oh, really? <laughs> you should have so entered. There's next always year. next year. And the year after, I'm going to judge next year. So that was so much fun. I think the girl that won last year is going to win this year. I don't year. think so. What? Yeah. There was, I'm telling you, there was crazy. Was basic. Yeah, it was very basic. There was crazy ass outfits in there. There was one that was How like. Do you know, you seen them? It was I saw because they got a vote on IG after we got like the top. After yeah. we chose our top, they put those ones on IG to vote on. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I'll go check them out. And there was an, I don't think no, they're anymore. gone now. Yeah. But there was an upcycled look. Did you see that one? Yes, that was one. Was of, like, I'm sorry, that was one of my favorite. Fuck? You guys. You did not. With the mask. I was like, what the fuck is this? You, Bennett, you would have liked it. It was kind of like out there. It was just like a very colorful, but it was like muted color and it was so pretty. It wasn't very vibrant. Like it was, it had like a good accessory bag with it. And to me, it was just like, I, it looked like a burlap, like like a potato sack. It it, it was a fancy potato sack. Okay. It looked good <laughs> on him. Jim, but Jim, it, she. it gave it a great, West. hold on. It gave a great contrast to his outfit because it was solid and the rest of his outfit it was a bit, you know, crazy, but like it flowed and it was in my top 10. No, like, it wasn't. <laughs> was it really? It absolutely was. I'm fucking dead. Oh my God. I want to see it. Okay. I wish- I'll show you after. Okay, okay. Oh, you have the pictures? Yes. Okay. I have the Google Drive doc of all of the pictures. Oh, there and you go. Including not the one that Bennett did not <laughs> submit. I can't believe you didn't submit. I cannot believe you didn't either. Motherfucker. You could have taken us to STK. Right. I know. I know. Catherine was like, are you stupid? Look at those prizes. <laughs> are you stupid? Look at those other outfits. <laughs> oh, Kurt, oh. you could have fucking won a good ass prize. Mm-hmm. Bennett, you would yeah, You would have taken the trophy. Next year. Next year. For real. Yeah. All right. Fuck. So my pit, though. I feel like I'm just kind of vibing low this week a little bit for some reason. Like I'm just very tired and that was going to be my pit, but I feel like nothing really like tragic happens during the week. Yeah. I mean, a pit doesn't have to be tragic. <laughs> I feel <laughs> like. It could be like you stubbed your toe or something. Well, I feel like I have an itch on my leg right now and it kind of feels like when I had a ringworm about 15 years ago. So I'm like, I'm really hoping it's not ringworm. That's about it. All right. I mean, that's that contagious. Don't touch and that. Come give that me a hug. Peak. Oh, I'm God. going to come and just pinch your cheeks, Amelia. <laughs> With the ringworm. Oh, oh hell no. I had a ringworm uh, when I was a kid because of the barber. Ew. What were you guys Sick. doing when you got this? Oh. Well, I got it at the barber shop. Obviously, wasn't cleaning his shit. That's oh, disgusting. Oh, that's fucked. Yeah, All right. Now we on to Ask Alex. Alrighty. Do we this, get a spicy question? This is a segment where you guys write in and we pick a question that I answer and then we all answer. That's it. What's the question, Bennett? What's your ideal type? Looks? 
job, lifestyle, family et cetera, sitch. Et cetera. Like if you had to build the perfect I like partner, that question. What would it be? But I also don't like that question because I feel like I'm going to break up with like 20 people right now. Because <laughs> none of them are your type. <laughs> I'm actually kidding. I'm talking to nobody except like one person kind of. So yeah, Hopefully. that person knows who he is and he's the only person. And there's like 20 people like, oh my God, it's me. <laughs> <laughs> My ideal type would be um, above six foot. I mean, I used to like short guys, but now it's like, ooh, the taller, the sexier. I know, shocking. And I think light eyes, dark skin, dark complexion, dark hair, light eyes is so fucking hot. Then also has to have a banging job. Like no less than, I mean, I can't even say how much. Y'all can fucking look at me crooked. No, no go ahead. Say, I don't judge you on your- <laughs> a I'm year, like, a month. I was thinking a month. I mean, I just need someone who keeps up. With, I like to travel. It's expensive. I just have that lifestyle, you know, that like I'm not going to be taking care of my boo. And they need to be making at least 500. Come on. Okay. Oh, a year. I mean, yeah, that's, yeah, that's that's, that's I that's a little to okay, be honest. I was like, <laughs> what do okay. you think? What do you think? I think well, for me, I don't think that the finances, like as long as you could take care of yourself and you could take care of me. This is kind of a second question though. I know. Like, <laughs> like what, How like much what is your man's bank account? Yeah, no, 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 no. Like what is like a minimum that you'd be like, this is my ideal minimum that I'd want my partner to make to like be comfortable. Like what would that be? What would that be look comfortable? like? Comfortable? Yeah. Like money doesn't, you know, buy happiness, but it sure does help. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, but, I've dated some fucking bums. Right, me, too. me too. That's why I'm not taking care of my man. They need to like keep up with me. I'm not supporting them. Absolutely so, not. I'm just saying like, especially if I'm going to be dating to date to possibly marry one day, I want them to have a really great career already going. Mm -hmm. So, and like investments, you know, as I do, and I don't want to have to worry about it. I'm getting to the age where like, I should have that stuff built. Like I grind in my twenties and thirties. I want to chill, you know, and not have to grind as hard in my forties, fifties, Yeah, you yeah, know, exactly. and retire early. But besides the money, I just feel like it's such a vibe when you meet somebody, you'll know, but physically would be very much tall in shape, tall, dark and handsome with light eyes and doesn't have kids. I'm sorry. Um, you said no kids? No kids. You have kids. I don't care. My kids are almost grown. No, I'm- But what if they have kids and their kids are grown? That's fine. But as long as they don't have children in the I, home- like babies. If they don't- Or if they, a baby okay, mama. Here. If they're less than 10 years old, I don't, I'm good. If they have kids mm -hmm. that are less than 10, I'm good. Cause I have an 11 year old, you know, like all raise kids until they're 18 from like how old I have a kid, but I don't want any, I don't want, I'm done. You know, like mm -hmm. I've been raising kids since for 18 years. Yeah. I'm tired. I want to go have fun now. No, I'm always tell my friends, clients, whatever, whoever I can tell. I always say, do not date someone with children unless they're grown and out of the house, mm -hmm. but do not date someone with children and do not date someone that is either that has a baby daddy or a baby mama. Like I would. Okay. If I did have to date somebody that had children, I would be such a great step parent and I would love to be, you know, have that honor. I would also very much want to get along with the mom. I would love to get along with the mom. So that's where I'd be. If it's problems, I don't want that. Amelia, what's your ideal girl? My ideal girl, tatted. I just love tattoos. Oh God, I miss that. Absolutely tatted. I, yes. Has to be tatted. Like has to be. Leslie. And I would say good hygiene. Just like mm -hmm. I'm because and honestly looks to me because tattoos can make you like 10 times sexier. So really, and I've dated some ugly motherfuckers. So really, truly, like honestly, looks don't really matter to me. But as long as you have tattoos, good hygiene and a good job, that's my type right there. Okay, but if looks did matter because looks don't matter to me either. Okay. Um, I would say they have to have some melanin in them, their skin. Like mm -hmm. has to, they cannot be, they can't burn when they, they go out. They can't look like me because I'm white. <laughs> 
Basically, yeah. they can't be white. I'm offended. They need to know. If I was like, um, you're they, can't, they can't be black. They cannot. They absolutely they cannot be black. I'm just saying for what I can just cannot date anybody black. No. They cannot have they, melanin in the you're middle. You're the exception. <laughs> you're the, the exception. Um, what? Could you imagine? Could you imagine if I said no. that? Being serious? No. Is that bad that I'm saying this? Like, no, it's but it's just like you could. You could like. No, it not. would sound really bad. Yeah. If you. Yes, it would. I just feel like Alex feels personally attacked. No, okay. it just it, like I just know why people. You suck. do have a little. You have. <laughs> it sucks to be white. I'm. Just, <laughs> okay, but you're like olive. You're olive. We'll give you that. I'm Greek. I'm just gonna say that. There you go. All right. There you go. You're olive. <laughs> so I like olives. I'm from Greece. Okay, so like olive and above is what I like. Well, Alex, I do not have a pink undertone. Okay. Yeah. No, you don't. There See? you go. Yeah. There we go. Um. Really, that's it. That's all I could think of right now. It's just like a little bit of melanin <laughs> tattoos. That's a great uh, combo. Yeah. That's yes. uh, okay, Bennett. What's your ideal man? Ideal, which I never get my ideal ever. Like, I feel like- You get the never, opposite? I get the opposite. <laughs> okay, but if you did, what would they be like? Uh, they would be tall. Okay. How tall? Like how, yeah. They don't have to be taller than me. But what's um, tall? Like, what is tall to well, you? Well, I'm 6'2", so uh -huh. like, they don't have to be taller than me, but they can't be shorter than like five. And yeah, that's short. See, I like short. I, I like both. I like little people. Like, <laughs> or well, oh, okay. <laughs> well, do you like little people? I mean, I do. I've only dated What's little your people. Like, it is though. Like little people. Oh, I've never dated an actual you, little person. Yeah, not like us. Maybe. <laughs> I do like little people though. Like yeah. five foot is perfect. Yeah. And like yeah, that's how tall five is. three is that's perfect too. Like I What's love little. But I'd say five five six. Yeah. That scares me because it scares me. That's a big person. Yeah. Like I have a client and he's six foot five. That motherfucker Ooh, that is such a yummy. big guy. He's a Show chocolate man. Oh, yeah. Is he cute? He really likes boys though. Oh. <laughs> Connected. He's 6'5". Hello. Where the hell is he? Does he listen? He might. Yeah. Okay. He might start today, well, actually. Well, holla at your boy. Yeah. Holla at your boy. Back to my type. Yeah. Tall. <laughs> Dark and handsome. Mm -hmm. um, I like yellow boys. Okay. Like a yellow undertone? Like a golden undertone? Like what does this mean? Spanish boys. I like Spanish boys, boys too. Has, like Latino? You know, mm. Quote, unquote, light skin. Okay. Yeah. Chris Brown. Fucking Oof. hot. Tattoos. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Ideal type. Um, definitely like likes to have a good time. They're goofy. You have mm. to be able to make me laugh. Yes. If not, then like. Err. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, and just like, you know, they got their shit together, you know, mature. What if they had all of that, but they were not funny? No. No. And they got to no. have a big dick. <laughs> <laughs> What's Never a big dick? Ask. Yeah. Like how big? Like how big hard? You got to be hitting at least Seven Se inches. Seven inches. Six, seven inches. Jesus what? Christ. That's huge. Do you know how big it? seven That's inches huge. Yeah. Seven Get inches, a so. fucking tape measure and pull out seven inches. That's that shit. My dick is seven huge. inches. So. You're seven huge. Inches That's is, huge. Is, is uncomfortable. Eight well, inches is probably bleeding. Nine inches is fucking emergency room. Yeah. Okay? That's not Your shit's torn apart. Seven inches is big. That is huge. Like the average, I feel like is five. Whoa, Wait, you would know apply. better than me because I haven't fucked that many well, people. And you've seen like more said, dicks than I have, yeah, I feel like. I don't, so I don't what is like an average? What is an average? But is, you, how, how can you tell? How do you know? I feel like, You're like I just fucked I thought my dick was average. I thought BD. seven was average. Uh-uh, that, how about, no. How about you put your, your hard dick up on the wall with a bunch of other ones like you said we should do with our pussies and then we'll <laughs> tell you which one which is one big and which one's small and which one's average and which one's not. Yeah, that's really big. 
I've Amelia, with, like, he a knows. lot of guys who and have then, bigger dicks than Okay, me. but it, what about like girth wise? Uh, like soda can? No, that's huge. Yeah, that's <laughs> fucking way huge. <laughs> like maybe a mini soda Damn. can. Not, a mini no, soda. Wait, is that me? I don't want a pencil that's... dick. No pencil dicks. Like, yeah. You, you feel me? But yeah, like, no, it's got to have like a little bit of both. Yeah, they got to have a little bit of both. But it has to be long. Like the short stubby thick ones. No, that's not no, cutting it at yeah. the fuck all. The short <sighs> stubs. No, you guys. So, so, that fucking. I was like, what the fuck? Oh my God. <laughs> I like, Maybe I should read that. I, you should. I was at karaoke last night and I was like, have you guys ever seen a micro piece? Yes. <laughs> that was guys, wild. I get some really wild stories. That was hard. Um, I, I hope not. I don't think so, but I know that guys' dicks can look really small when they're not hard. Right, 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 right. And that, I mean, I've seen dicks that small go to very big. I have. No way. Yes, I have. Haven't yeah. you? Yes. Yes, a hundred percent can go from that small to six. I mean, inches. I would, I would never, ever give but it the chance to get to chance. six. No, but inches. every but. time I, right, <laughs> <laughs> if you walk through with that, you are not going to grow. Well, you're going. Well, home. <laughs> let me just let me just preface what we're talking about, okay? So I have OnlyFans, and I get asked to do dick ratings all the time, and it's like, if you just want me to rate your dick one to ten, that's five dollars. If you want me to rate it and give you like a sentence, that's ten. If you want like a paragraph, that's fifteen. If if you want a video, 30, right? I have tears. Yeah. Well, I had never been asked this about a dick rating before. And it was to like, basically just be as mean as possible. Just respond and just say the meanest things possible. So, and like his username was basically saying that he had a small dick, right? So I'm like, do you actually have a small dick? And he goes, do you want to see? And I'm like, usually I don't give a fuck. I don't want to see dick pics because they're not cute to me, right? Yeah. You know, let me see it in person, put it in my mouth and I'll be fine. But I don't want to <laughs> see your dick pic. Like, really, that's where I'm at. So I was like, sure, since you asked. Then he sends me a picture. He's in girls' underwear and micro pee-pee. It Thank was, you. like, tinier than my thumb. Well, let me just read you what I said to him. Okay, got it. Thank you. Like, yeah, it's small. And then he goes, um, are you into humiliation? And I'm like, what? And he's, like, demeaning my pic and laugh at it and say the meanest things that you can think of. It turns me on. I'm like, you would have to pay me to do that. And he's like, all I have is, like, 10 to $15. I'm like, okay, $10 is fine. And Oh, you were really nice. I know, right? You gave I'm like, the low end. Well, what do you think would be fair? I'll go hard. <laughs> this is what I said to him. Nice to meet you, Calvin, with two left thumbs because the picture has his hand right next to his micro PP and his thumbs right next to it. It's fucking hilarious, okay? <laughs> so nice to meet you, Calvin, with two left thumbs. Don't even get me started on those WWJD bracelets. <laughs> Jesus would look and laugh. Ain't no miracles happening here. And how the fuck do I have a bigger dick than you? Let me guess, you really like to eat pussy, huh? You know, because like guys who have small dicks, they don't want to have anything done to them because they have such a small dick, they're embarrassed. Anyways, if you didn't know, now you know. Um, <laughs> they say good things come in small packages, but who the fuck would order that? It actually kind of looks like something that you would get in a birthday goodie bag. You know, like those half circle rubber popper toys from childhood and some Play-Doh. Voila, Calvin's crinkled cock. Where's your balls, Calvin? You're telling me that they're in that sad choice of panties somewhere? I have a good therapist, don't worry. I feel you've always chalked it up to being cold, but we all know the truth. Better luck next lifetime. XO. <laughs> XO gossip girl. <laughs> because like, you know, those like little rubber things that yes. like, you, oh my God, that, yes. <laughs> His head looks like that. Oh and then the rest of it looks like it could just be Play-Doh. So I thought it was fucking funny. And he said that it got him off really quickly. So, I, you know, my job is done there. Sign me up. Easy. Fucking easy goddamn money. Seriously. You know, I should have taken the 15. No, I, you should have. But that's okay because he's going to keep coming back. Yeah, for and sure And that's the easiest fucking money he's ever. already been. Blowing your shit up, I'm sure. I'm serious. So, so do the Starbucks sure. thing. I will. I'll, I'll do that. And then you I'll should do a picture like what you ordered and then go on like Pornhub or whatever and screenshot a dick and then do versus what you got.
got and then screenshot his picture and send it to him and be like, ha, 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 you're <laughs> pathetic. <laughs> yes. yes. 15 easy. bucks. Easy. All right. We need this job. No. Seriously. Just become an OnlyFans manager, Amelia. I'm so serious. I'd be so good at it. All right. Well, that is it for Ask Alex. So make sure to send us a message with, you know, a question that you would want me to answer and that you'd want Amelia and Bennett to answer. And we'll answer your dumbass question. Now it's time for the resilient guest. And this week... Livia is our resilient guest and she has maintained her recovery from an eating disorder and surviving multiple surgeries that nearly killed her. Her resiliency and commitment to helping others and stay on a path of recovery and acceptance has led her to a place of balance that she is happy to share with others. So please welcome our guest. We're going to be doing it on Zoom because she's in California. Here we go. All right. Welcome to the podcast, Livia. Thank you for being here. My pleasure. I'm excited. <laughs> I have listened to your guys' podcast. I'm so ready. Thank I've been you. so ready for this. <laughs> Appreciate you. I mean, yay. yeah, you'll go into kind of how we know each other, but I know that you've been going through a lot. So I really appreciate you spending time, taking you know time out of your really busy schedule to be here. And I know that your story is going to do really well as far as getting to people and hearing your resilience and helping people in the future. I, I appreciate that. I do. Um, do I work backwards or do I start from the beginning? What do you think would sound best? So Tuesday, I had a mini stroke. And today Wait, this is, past? Like yeah. last week? Like Tuesday, I was in the emergency room all night long. Oh, <laughs> and so goodness. when we start this like, I am a person who just gets up and goes. So she's here. I'm here. Nice. <laughs> like I made this commitment. I'm here. I'm physically capable. I believe I'm mentally capable. I... Well, tell us about that. What happened? What, did, what What was that experience like? I have no idea. I was just sitting on the couch and I started to get a headache. And then the left side of my face started to go numb. And, and then it went to my lip and it kind of felt like the dentist gave me a shot of Novocaine mm. and it wasn't pins and needles. It was just totally dead sensation. And then I was a little foggy. I had a headache and I texted my husband and I said, I, I don't, this isn't right. So I called my doctor and I have a concierge doctor for a very good reason. And she said, go right away to the emergency room. You're having a stroke. And I said, oh, okay, well maybe it's just shingles. Like maybe I'll be fine. So. Uh, we went and I thought really still I would be fine it's no big deal like maybe I just slept funny and I'm trying not to panic and on check-in they start asking you questions about what's your name what are your allergies I just my mouth just went like open nothing came out my brain totally disconnected from my mouth and I looked at my husband in like sheer terror and he said she's having a stroke take her now and they just took me back immediately did like all you know the tests they have to do did the MRI and fortunately it was just um, like a TIA where it doesn't cause any brain damage. It's a small clot, just passes through, moves nerves around a little bit, like lasts three to five minutes. And that's exactly what happened. Five minutes, it was gone. I had capacities. My face was still a little bit numb, but I spent the whole you know, night in the ER and here I am because yeah. this is important. Yeah. So well, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. And it's crazy. So, this isn't quite the, the introduction. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And this isn't uh, the first health issues that you've had. So however you want to explain your journey, I'm just gonna leave that up to you. All right. So I think my journey started when I was born. I was born six weeks earlier, so I was in an incubator and uh, my mom couldn't take me home for two weeks. We nicknamed it the baby baker. So I really think that everything in my life kind of started there. My mom had complications during the pregnancy, um, jaundice and diabetes and all of those things. And so I think that from birth, I made it through, right? And for whatever reason in my life, whatever was going on, I had this crippling anxiety as a child. And at 10 years old, 
was the first time I remember making a conscious choice not to eat because my anxiety was so bad. I couldn't get food in because if I ate something, I felt really nauseous. And my biggest fear in life is throwing up. I would rather die. Literally take an arm or a leg or a hand. I, I can't. Throwing up is horrifying to me. So I think it sort of developed, you know, there. And then as I got older, I did sports. I was a gymnast. I was a dancer. I did what we call aesthetic sports, where everything you do is judged on your appearance and the level of perfection you can achieve doing these sports. You're you're judged on a hair being out of the way or a single toe not being pointed. And so I think that sort of manifested that through that and everyone always recognized me as being really small and really fit and it hid an eating disorder really well. And it wasn't until I got to college. Well, that's not true. I do remember my parents taking me to a couple of clinics younger when I would absolutely refuse to eat. And then they tried to like make me drink these shakes and whatever, and I wouldn't eat them. And so I was just very small and that was the norm for me, you know, no, really no questions about it. And and being in that aesthetic sport, whether or not I um, gained or didn't gain, it made sense. You know, it, it fit the picture. Gymnastics, Gymnastics, ballerina, yeah. dance. Um, cheerleading cheerleader oh lord cheer okay yeah that's what I was <laughs> yeah. thinking on my end <laughs> yeah and, and when you were young at six years old not eating food what was anybody saying did no one pick up that you were developing an eating disorder at the time you know honestly I'm 43 years old <laughs> just count here 43 years old mm -hmm. and I think at that time it wasn't a thing you know my, my okay. parents didn't know it was a thing there was no, I will say this, there was one point in time when I went to my pediatrician and I was 15 or 16 and I had mono. I was so weak, um, I had mono. And there was a new doctor in the pediatrician's office. And she said to me, can you give me three words that describe yourself? Cause I mean, she must've looked at me and thought, holy shit, something is very not right. But I went in for a test for mono or because mm -hmm. I tested for mono and I said, ugly, imperfect, and incapable. Oh. And I just said them. I didn't even think about it. I just said them. And I really didn't think about what was going to come after that. You know, like she said, okay, well, it's something we can work through real calm. And then my brain just started going and I started freaking out. And then my doctor pediatrician came in with my mom and said, you know, we want to talk about this. And I said, no, I didn't say those things. She's lying. I mean, I full blown denied it. I knew I was lying in the moment, but I was terrified that they were going to know that this is what I was doing. And then I was an have to stop and I wasn't ready to let go of it so they at that age they did know I just don't think they knew what to do about it because I was denying everything that they were asking so and your, I remember with your eating disorder did you I'm assuming because you had I think it's called a metaphobia uh, because you had the fear of throwing up I'm assuming you were not bulimic then correct? no no yeah you're right um yes on the words and the not bulimic so anorexic orthorexic and compulsive overexercise. Wow. So restricting, 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 wow. um, exercising until I was, I mean, on the floor. And this, mm. and this weird thing that happens with eating disorders as your body feeds on, you know, any fat, then it starts to go to muscle. And when it burns muscle, it can't process it. And then ammonia leaks from your liver into your brain. And so you get like a high kind of from it. And that's how you push through and that and get through it. It's a really bizarre thing that happens to your body. And 
In college, um, so silly, I was uh, in psychology class and we started talking about something that made me so uncomfortable that I thought my psychology teacher was going to know that I had the eating disorder. So for two solid weeks, I didn't leave my room on campus. And if I had to leave the room, I would wear like as big baggy clothes as I could because in my brain, this distorted brain of mine, I thought I would be forcing people to look at something so ugly and so horrific that how dare I expose them to that. So I hid in my room. And then my parents went on vacation uh, shortly after that, like a couple days after that. And I don't even think they know this, but I went home for another two weeks so that I didn't have to be on campus. Um, and then I consequently failed out of that semester, but they, at the end of it, knew that it was an issue. I did try to go to the treatment center on campus. Um, there was a therapist there that was very invested in helping me get better. I wasn't ready. I wasn't really ready until I was 32. And even then, I, I don't think that I was ready. I think that it just knew I couldn't continue in the manner that I was continuing. So at 32, I was traveling for work nonstop. I was carrying pre-powdered meals with me. I didn't want to, you know, eat where I was. I made sure that whatever hotel I was at had a gym. I didn't care if it had a restaurant, didn't care if it had food. I would take customers to go do things like golf or we would go to the batting cages. I wouldn't take them to dinner like most people take clients to dinner because then I would have to eat or be faced with eating and I didn't want to do that. So I just, I allowed the eating disorder to really control every aspect of what I was doing in my life. And I remember coming home on one trip, it was a Thursday, and I just dumped my suitcase on the floor. I was so depleted, I probably 93 pounds. Um, five, six, and my eyes, I looked so, I think the term is gangly. I don't know if that's the right term. Um, and I called my mom and I just said, I just don't want to do it anymore. Like, I, I don't even want to live anymore. I don't want to wake up. I don't want to get out of this bed. And so my brother made me send an email to him saying, that I was so sick I couldn't get out of bed because that Friday I didn't go to work. And then on that, I spent the whole weekend in bed, didn't talk to anyone. But that Monday, I did already have a flight book. So my mom said, you know, please just, I don't care what you bring. I know you have to go to work, but just throw whatever was in the suitcase the day before. We'll, we'll get you to work. It's fine. So I, I literally mechanically went through the motions of what I had been doing for weeks. I just threw stuff in the suitcase, dirty. I don't even know what was in it. I got myself to the airport. My mom picked me up. She saw me and she took me straight to the doctor. And the doctor said, no, nope. Like right now you have to go to inpatient. You're dying. Oh so gosh, yeah. on the spot they wrote me out of work and started looking for a bed for me. Over this decade, what were some of the other things that were, you know, going on? Like what were some of the symptoms you were experiencing or things that you were going through? Well, so for 22 years, I battled this on and off. And, uh, you know, I would go to my sports, which are their team. Gymnastics is not exactly a team sport, but it, it is in some ways, you know, you're competing against yourself, but you also have a team, right? And there's only two or three girls that are there with you. It's not like there's 50 people that you're socializing with. Mm -hmm. um, you know, in dance, you go to dance, but you don't talk, you're in class. There's no yeah. like fellowship, <laughs> I guess, right? So I just showed up to the things that I was supposed to show up to because when I make a commitment to something, I do it. Just like four days ago, I had a stroke. I made a commitment to do this. Here I am, right? Like I was taught very young, you make a commitment, you follow through. Yeah. And um 
I just think in my brain, I made this commitment to myself that I was going to hold on to this eating disorder and not let it go. And it seems and like the way you're explaining it seems kind of like an addiction to me. Just the way you're saying like you held on to it and like, you know, like how you said I wasn't really ready and you didn't know, mm -hmm. like it kind of is the same with drug addiction as well. Like I feel like, yeah, I don't absolutely. know how to explain it, but it's just, that's what it's like giving off a little bit. Like you, you didn't want to ever be done with it because it was something that you were addicted to, like the feeling of being in control essentially. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. And that's a really great description. Like I was addicted to the restriction. I was addicted to the eating disorder. And in eating disorder recovery, we like to, like personify the eating disorder because it isn't who we are it's this thing we do so my eating disorder is a gnarly nasty angry manipulative conniving will do whatever it takes to protect itself livia is a kind loving compassionate human who has so much to offer and it took me about 18 months of treatment to be able to take this off of me, put it next to me, recognize that it wasn't who I was and that my behaviors and the things that I were was doing was because of the eating disorder. And I think that's the difference between uh, drug addictions or alcoholism is, you know, we don't recognize that as a different person, mm. whereas an eating disorder, we recognize or personify it because it's easier to recognize that you are a human being underneath this thing that is clutched onto you and won't let go. It's a parasite that you can't, it, you got to get rid of. You got to get it out of your body. Well, I have a question. So when you went to treatment, what did treatment look like? And it said, you know, 18 months, it took you to really have this weight of this addiction taken off of you and to move forward with your life, what does treatment look like? And what would you, if you had any like feedback for anybody listening, whether that be someone who has an addiction with an eating disorder or someone who, you know, who is in their family dealing with it, what would you recommend as far as like treatment goes? Like, how did it help you? What worked? What didn't? So I'm going to be honest. <laughs> I don't know if it'll help. It is messy as fuck. Going to an eating disorder recovery center is a commitment. It is, you, you are surrendering everything. I mean, they took my phone. I had a schedule. I was monitored 24 seven. They check on you every 15 minutes when you sleep. I mean, it's gnarly. You really gotta be ready. You really have to be in a place where you are ready to not let this thing control your life and your destiny anymore. Because when you get there, they take your coping mechanism away and it's, it's gonna, it's coming out every way possible. I mean, I relapsed in treatment. And, and um, I do want to recognize a, a woman, um, her name is Shannon Hershkowitz, and she is the woman that I called at the lowest of the low. And I said, I don't know if I'm ready, but I can't live like this. So can you help me? And I, I kind of visualize it as like, I took my burden, I gave it to her and she took over from there. And she did everything that she could with my doctor to get me in a bed. And we drove out to Arizona and I got there and I had a full blown panic attack when I got there. My dad parked the car. My mom and I were walking in the door. I got to the door. I just melted down. I started crying, screaming. I, I'm, I mean, I'm like running towards my dad at the car. My mom's trying to pull me in. And even though I went there voluntarily, I drove to Arizona voluntarily knowing that I needed to do this and I was ready to do this. And then I just panicked last minute. Mm -hmm. But I will say Rosewood Ranch saved my life. If I did not go there and they did not give me the coping skills to 
adult and to learn to not let this thing be my first go-to anytime shit hits the fan or anytime I have an emotion. I don't know where I'd be. I, I mean, I really don't. But it did take a full surrender on my end, a full commitment on my end to let them help me. And it took a couple of months for that to happen, you know? Um, and then you go through these step-down treatments afterwards so that you don't just get launched back into the real world because it's a huge adjustment. But if anybody has any sort of disordered eating or has an ugly relationship with food or has body dysmorphia or just has these feelings inside that they don't like who they are or they don't like what they see and it doesn't feel normal, just make the call to a recovery center because the very second you make that call, your burden is lifted you then really do have to be able to submit and surrender to get that help, but it will save your life. Cause I just couldn't live like that anymore. Was Go there ahead. any um, like health conditions that came about because of your eating disorder? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, when I got there, my body was feeding on my liver cause I didn't have any fat left in my body. So your liver it is like, has a lot of fat it's a <laughs> the first organ that goes to my kidneys were shutting down my liver was shutting down i was water loading you know so so that i wouldn't feel like i was going to pass out or i was oh you know goodness. i wouldn't feel hungry there were times when i would allow myself like brazil nuts were my thing i would allow myself three brazil nuts a day one for breakfast one for lunch one for dinner or i would have like a little bite of something one bite and i mean i was tracking my calories to the second macro before it was even a thing. Like if you asked me now what the caloric intake of a certain food is, I will math you through that like this. I mean, it is, and I'm an engineer, so I think that's part of the problem. Like mm -hmm. I can say, all right, if I eat this, this, and this, it's gonna be this amount of calories. And then I have to do this amount of exercise to work it off. And in the day, I need to be in a deficit mm -hmm. so that I don't put weight on. So how much of a deficit do I have to be in in order to keep drop, 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 drop? You know, it, oh. it, it's that becomes the addiction. The five more pounds, two more pounds, three more pounds. Like it, that becomes the addiction. Getting on the scale 15 times a day, checking in the mirror to see if you're getting smaller. It is a full time job yeah. and wow. it, it's horrifying. Brazil nuts, that was her thing. So my question is, and I know this is a little silly, but um, is Brazil nuts now kind of a trigger for you if you see those or if like, can you eat them now? It's not a trigger, but I do stay away from them because yeah. it's like just for my own sanity, right? Mm -hmm. Like I need to stay 10 steps away from a relapse mm -hmm. and like, it's like an alcoholic sitting in a bar. There's yeah. just no need, like you know? Three, that's three steps towards your addiction mm -hmm. essentially by having yeah. A little while ago, you said something about like, you were taught different coping mechanisms and skills to use in the real world. Um, could you tell us about like what those coping skills were and what it means to come out sideways? Yeah, absolutely. It's a really great question. Um, in an eating disorder, when you get, in, in my experience, right? Something happens, I don't like it, I feel uncomfortable. My first go-to is I, I'm not eating. I, I can't eat, I have too many feelings inside. I can't put food in. So one of the healthier coping mechanisms is getting those feelings out 
like journaling or breath work or meditation or just taking a minute and and letting that instant feeling of panic pass and not acting on it. Um, it only, that spike of anxiety, your, that chemical that your body releases, it's a 20 minute window. So if you can just wait through those 20 minutes in that moment of like sheer panic, your body can't produce that chemical for longer. So you're like on this bell curve of like, it gets bad, 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 and then it just starts to come down. And then when it comes down, you start to tell yourself, I deserve nourishment. My body deserves nourishment. So that's one of the ways, um, getting yeah, the feelings powerful. out so that you mm -hmm. can get food in, you know, and yeah. that's like an in the moment thing. Um, mechanical eating being on a schedule, we are really good at doing what we're told. Like I follow directions, like nobody's business. So if this is what I was told to do in order to keep in my recovery when I got out of there. I follow this meal plan six times a day. I eat what's on there. I don't even think about it. Put food in my mouth. There is no question about it. And you follow a mechanical eating plan. You don't have to think or worry. It's off your plate, right? Um, so healthier coping mechanisms <laughs> than your eating disorder. But what happens when you are now using the healthier coping mechanisms is that your eating disorder tries to like sneak in. You know, it sees that you're doing better. It sees that you're trying to take steps away from its hold on you. And it sneaks in in different ways. And we call that coming out sideways. Like all of our emotions are now like handled and something happens and we don't reach for our, our eating disorder because we now know that we're not supposed to, but uh, it's so strong in the moment that like the eating disorder says, oh, how about you try this? It's like the angel and the devil on your shoulders, right? Your angel's like, no, eat your food. You're supposed to eat your food. And the devil's like, try something else. Maybe that'll help. So for whatever reason, I remember being in treatment with girls who self-harm and I thought, well, they must do it for a reason. Like something must come out of it. So let me just try it a little bit and see what it feels like. And I got to tell you, it was like, it wasn't even me. It was not Livia even doing it. It was like a whole, it was eating disorder on me wearing it. I was wearing it like a jacket and it just said, here you go, try this. And I, I did my first cut and I thought, oh, wow. Oh, I feel so much better. Mm. That was bad. That was the bad choice. I recognized it was a bad choice, but apparently one time wasn't enough. So it happened a couple of other times. <sighs> And as soon as I realized that that was the urge, instead of reaching for the eating disorder, now the urge was to cut. I had to start using the coping mechanisms I learned in eating disorder recovery to conquer that feeling of, I just want to cut because then I get endorphins. And there's a really good show called um, Ginny and Georgia on Netflix. And they do talk about self-harm in children. And um, I even had my goddaughter watch it just because I felt like she would learn from it. You know, I'm children, if I had gotten the help at 14, 15 that I got at 32, I can only imagine where I'd be in life, you know? Mm -hmm. I don't know if this is the correct word to use, but it's kind of ironic to me that you, when you were speaking about your eating disorder, you said that it kind of wanted like attention. And to me, it popped in my head, like it needed to be fed, but so did your body. And it was kind of like, which one was louder? And essentially you had described beforehand that your eating disorder was like a beast and it was angry. And so like, to me, like, of course you're gonna feed that one because it's louder, it's more angry. Whereas your body, you said all you had to do was drink some water and you'd be fine, you know, type of thing. But that was interesting to me that you said that. Girl, do you wanna like come with me to uh, 
some of these places I speak and <laughs> say that? Or can like, can I just steal that script? Go ahead. <laughs> like, I mean, it's an incredible way to look at it. I, and I'm 11 and a half years into recovery and holy crap, write that down for me. Like that's a really great way of looking at it. And it's exactly that. Like it's, it is a monster. It's a parasite. It needs to be fed. And it, it's like an, an abusive boyfriend that you can't mm -hmm. get rid of. Right. And I eventually yeah. got to this place where I can recognize that the eating disorder is right here, right next to me. And I, I can allow it to be right here. If that's all I can get to today, I can allow it to be right next to me. I just don't have to talk to it. Mm -hmm. I don't have to engage with it. I don't have to hold its hand. We're not going on dates. You know, we're not Netflix and chill. Like it's there. I recognize it. I work every day for it not to creep back into my life. And at one point, I hope that it will be completely out of reach for me. And that's what I work towards. For me, it literally sounds like an alcoholic. It just sounds like the same exact scenario because I lived really closely with alcoholics and dealt with that disease. It just sounds very similar. Um, it, it is. Addictions are sobriety, all based. Even if they're in sobriety, could be sobriety forever. They're always going to be an alcoholic, right? Because they're always going to be like battling that. So, all right, well, Anything else you want to touch on, feel free to. Otherwise, I think this is a good segue into fast forwarding into, you know, what we talked about you want to discuss. Yeah. So, you know, the eating disorder is going to be something I deal with uh, for life, right? That's just something I over overcame. I have not overcome it. I have overcome it being in control of me. I've accepted that it it was something that I needed help with and I work every day towards that. Um, there are other things that have happened in my life where I, I could have reached for the eating disorder and I didn't. Um, I got in a really severe car accident somewhere like 2015 and it severed the artery that feeds the head of my femur. And initially I didn't know this. I, um, I was going into physical therapy for, I mean, my, it was a catastrophic accident. Um, I was knocked out cold. I don't even remember going to the hospital. I remember waking up in the hospital. I think there are things that I remember, but the neurologist said none of it could be real. You know, when you are unconscious, you may think that you remember things, but it may not ever be actually what happened. But long story short, I wasn't you didn't, better. You didn't walk though for a long time, right? Yeah. So yeah. What's your crutches. femur? It's the, it's the thing that like the ball and socket in your hip, and then it goes to your knee. It's the largest yeah. bone in your body. Okay, that's what I thought. So you broke yeah. that. Oh, well, gosh. I didn't break it, but it started to die like necrosis because oh, it wasn't getting any blood and your bones need blood. Because to... of the, arter the artery. Yeah, because yeah. I severed oh, the artery. Goodness. The yeah. seatbelt goes over your hips. And when you get in a car accident, the in because I'm an engineer, I can tell you this, um, the seatbelt clips into, there's a male-female end, and inside the receiving end of the seatbelt is a 22 caliber cartridge. So when you get in a car accident and your airbag goes off, it forces your seatbelt down really tight mm -hmm. into that receiver so that you don't like hit the windshield or, or hit forward. Well, that action when your seatbelt is tight and when you are as skinny and and frail as I was, it is a very common injury in the car accident where it severs that artery. So I I wasn't I didn't walk for like 
you know, two weeks after that. And then I went to the physical therapy. I didn't get out of bed for about two weeks because my knees were so swollen, I couldn't move. And then I started physical therapy and I was on crutches, you know, and I kind of four months into still not being able to walk, said, guys, this I'm not getting better. Something has to change. So they did an MRI, saw that the bone was dying and they said, no, immediately off, like no weight because if the bone, when the bone starts to die, it like kind of turns to dust and it could collapse like completely. So I had what was called core decompression surgery instead of a hip replacement because I caught it early enough and I was young enough. So they they take this like giant drill and they drill a hole from the middle of your femur all the way into that ball where the ball meets yep. your socket to kind of Frankenstein the bone back to get blood back to it. And you can't put weight on it right away because you you essentially, your femur is broken. You have a giant hole drilled in your femur. So, you know, now I'm on crutches for like another eight months. I mean, the total amount of time I didn't walk was 14 months. And I can vividly remember the home health person was coming to the house three times a week and God, it was so hard to get up and walk. I didn't want to do it. And there was a moment where I said to myself, like, can I just have a wheelchair? Like, can I, I just, I just don't want to do this anymore. Can I have a wheelchair? And I instantly in that second said to myself, Livia, if you sit in a wheelchair, you are never going to walk again. If you stop fighting this battle now, you're never going to walk again. And I don't know what it was in me. Maybe it's a part of my mom and, you know, and the way that she handles things, because she's a phenomenal, I mean, she's a phenomenal woman. I don't know what it was. Uh, I think it was probably what some of the stuff I learned in eating disorder treatment to to really just fight for not moving backward. And I, I said no. I said no to the wheelchair, and I just kept pushing through. And it took two years before I could walk and move normally. And I, I'm proud of myself for getting off pain meds after that. You know, because two years of that is like a high risk of addiction to opioids. Yeah. And I I know it's silly. I have a, a lot of really huge accomplishments that I've I've done in my life, but I feel like getting off of pain meds after that length of time, not being addicted to them because I have the predisposition for addiction. Resilient. I'm really proud of that. I mean, I'm really proud of that. That was huge for me. That's I crazy. fought for that. I fought yeah. hard for that. Um, so did you replace it with anything else? Did you see? Uh, what do you after, mean? After like after you were off the meds, like did you see yourself? Even if it was like a positive thing, right? Like working out a lot, or like did you see yourself like? Yeah, yeah honestly, that again, it's such a good place for me to even bring this up. So after that happened, you know, I was living in Pennsylvania, I had moved to Pennsylvania, and I had all this time now to be creative, and I had had an Instagram, and I was. You know, I'd modeled since I was young and I I danced for like Black Eyed Peas and Flavor Flav and I think Buster Rhymes. I mean, I got a list, you know. Wow. Like, wow. wow. Flavor okay. Flav. <laughs> He's an influencer. <laughs> so before I, the influencers. Really, before, right? Like you, I was famous before Instagram famous, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. So I just start, I was like, let me figure out how to use this Instagram thing. And I just started posting because i know that people sex sells right i mean at the end of the day sex sells right pretty picture they're gonna look at it if i can get one person to read the caption then that's all that matters so i just started making content 
of you know me being sexy and me being creative and in the captions i would put things like kindness and mental health and if you need somebody to talk to my dms are open like if you don't feel safe my dms are open and i grew fast i i, I mean i mean i can't believe how fast my instagram grew at the time i think i just really hit on something this was around like 20 17, 2018, and it grew fast. And I decided that what good is a following of that size if I can't use it to help other people in whatever they're dealing with? Every time I post a photo or something, every single person who takes a second to comment, I respond to every single one, whether it takes me a week or two weeks. If I get a DM about it, I will respond to every single one. And all of my followers will tell you I make sure that they get the attention. If you give me the time, I give you the time. And that's just what I put back into the universe because I feel like what good is having been through all these horrible things, made it through it. If I can't use that to help other people, if they don't know where to go get help or they don't know how to ask for help. And if it takes a sexy photo for them to read that mm -hmm. caption and realize I'm there, by all means use what you got you know mm -hmm. shake what your mama gave you right what your mama gave you. <laughs> you gotta give uh, what always, you got right i always say that my booty was the money maker but i mean it, it was but it it's now it's what gets people to get help you know I've, and i i use that platform and i help people in my everyday life um I do something called, you know, H&I, where I go into facilities and I um, I help people through 12-step programs. Um, I sponsor people in these 12-step programs. I help others get through what I got through. And that's just the start. I mean, I, I didn't even touch on the fact that I almost died from endometriosis surgery, <laughs> you know? Like, from what? like recently. Yeah. What surgery? I had endometriosis and I Which, didn't even know. For people who don't know what that is, you can explain if you want. I, I can try. Um, I started get so I was like God's gift, right? I never had a period. If I did, it was like two to three days. I light tampon, no cramps, no PMS. I literally was like touched by God's hand. I don't know. And then one day, and I swear it's because of the COVID shot, but whatever. Um, uh -oh. One day I started bleeding like heavy, heavy. And I, I wouldn't want to get my period. I would get like, sick like a fever and I would be in bed and I couldn't move and I would bleed so much and I was like this is not right something is not right so I went to like OBGYN and she said well we can test for this thing called endometriosis and endometriosis is the silent violent thing that when you're a female you release um, estrogen when estrogen gets released in your body I don't I can't even really explain it but that it feeds on the blood in your body in that cycle I'm, I, I I wish I could explain it better but it creates these like lesions and adhesions and implants and it is so beyond painful and most women that have it they don't even know they have it they have no they just think that their periods are bad they think okay, it's normal so endometriosis is a disorder in which the tissue similar to the tissue that lines the uterus grows outside the, the uterus in places where it doesn't belong. Oh. oh yeah. So let me tell you where it got that it didn't belong. My diaphragm, my throat, my lungs. <laughs> what? It, in, 
invades the whole it invaded I everything didn't know that i thought it was just like your female. it will go wherever Parts. it can no, it, because it's like a spider web right it it goes a little bit and then once it, it reaches that far then it can build on how far it reached and then it can continue to travel wherever it can go i didn't and know it that. creates these lesions like do you know chicken when you cook chicken it has that like weird Yes. shell of whatever on it right that's what those lesions are like Ugh. and it reaches to whatever it can so before my i threw up for like 10 weeks straight before i got married but it wasn't from my stomach it was from my diaphragm because i was having diaphragm spasms and i had no idea why and i'm just puking foam and you know how i feel about throwing up mm -hmm. and I, I mean it was horrible so we so i ended up going to the OBGYN and she said we there's this is this thing called endometriosis and we can test you for it but you know you got to go in through the belly button and we got to take a sample so i said okay i mean whatever i've been through worse like go ahead do do your thing so surgery one they go in they they test you have endometriosis i said okay how do we get rid of it because i got shit to do <laughs> which is <laughs> coincidentally what my mom said uh, the very first time they gave her, she's a five-time cancer survivor. And when we were in the office for her, uh, they sent a therapist in to tell her she had cancer. And she said, cool, send the doctor in. How do we get rid of it? I got shit to do. I don't have time for this. Like stone cold I, I in the face, right? That's my mom. I swear that that's how I get through this stuff is because I've seen my mom just through her whole life, through my whole life, just deal with stuff this way. So I said, all right, how do we get rid of it? She said, well, we can go in and do a, you know, DNC. We can scrape some stuff out. We can get rid of as much as we can. And we do some hormone type of stuff after. And I said, okay, let's do it. Surgery too. They go in, they, they do the DNC, they scrape what they can, they cut out the lesions, they cut out the implants, they cut what they can. And I said, okay, they, they do it. They put me on this medicine afterwards. It's supposed to lower your estrogen. But it's not like it's not a natural substance, right? So I'm um, five days into this medicine. I I swear I'm dying. My blood pressure was so high that I had to go to the emergency room because I couldn't get it to go down. I was like at stroke level. So they immediately took me off the medicine. Doctor said, okay, at this point, I think you have to have a hysterectomy. And I said, okay, I've never wanted to bear children. Um, you know, because if I do, I would get fat and that whole eating disorder thing would not like that. And I I early on had the conversation with my doctor that if I hadn't, if I didn't truly conquer the eating disorder, I would pass it to a child and I didn't want to do that, you know? So I had made the decision really early on in life that I didn't want to bear a child. I was fully open to adoption. I was fully open to marrying someone who had kids. So it was a non-issue for me. Take whatever you got to take. If it helps me, take it. Which, by so the way, can I just can I just mention real quick that she's a stepmom and I think she's like one of the most amazing fucking stepmoms <laughs> I've ever like met and have had, like had a friendship with. Seriously, Seriously. I am a stepmom. Like honestly, oh, she loves those love children like, like I've never seen, and I just had like not the best step parents. So seeing that genuinely, she's just such a good stepmom. So carry on. Yeah, it's a weird thing. Like you marry someone and then you just get a kid and you're supposed to love them from like day one. And they're <laughs> supposed to love you from day one. It's like a whole weird dynamic and you really <laughs> got to learn to navigate it. But at the end of the day, like that kid just deserves everything you have. So you you really fake it till you make it because that kid deserves it. And and eventually you, you learn to love the child like it's yours and you just yeah. give it everything it deserves, right? Mm -hmm. So, and it was really scary for her when I was in the hospital, um, which 
I think kind of made our bond stronger, honestly, because when I felt like she had love for me in a way that I hadn't felt before, it helped me have love for her in a way that I hadn't had before. You know, it was interesting. So I go in surgery, I think it's like surgery three. Um, now I go in, they, they take everything out. I come home, I'm in the hospital for five days because I lost a lot of blood. And when was this? Um, this was September 15th, 2022. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Because it was like not that long before I met you. Oh, wow. Yeah. Right. And I spent five days in the hospital, came home. And in those two days that I was home, I mean, I can't even explain. And I was on holy pain meds, right? I can't explain the amount of pain that I was in. And then I started like slurring my words and I, I wasn't making sense. I had a low grade fever. I called a girlfriend of mine. Um, she had worked in the emergency room at the hospital near me. And I said, hey, something is not right. And she said, go now. So I said, oh, for fuck's sake, like, I don't want to go real. back to the hospital. Like I, I live in this place, right? So huh. knowing better, because I had the surgery and every time I have surgery, I they say, oh, it's same day in and out. And I just know better. I, I never am in and out in the same day. It's just not how my life works. <laughs> and so I packed a bag. We went to the hospital. I took all my meds with me. We're in the waiting room for uh, four hours. I was already septic uh, by the time we got to the hospital. By the time they took me back, they take your blood work. They kind of do like little things while you're in the waiting room and decide triage where you belong. My blood work came back. My white blood cell count was at like 40 something. I mean, it was like through the roof. I was already in septic shock sitting in the waiting room. I had got, I had gone from being septic to being in septic shock in that four hour time. If I did Whoa. not go to the hospital, I would not have woken up the next morning. So every time I'm like, fuck, I don't want to do this, that the thing in me says, just do it. Like, you just got to do it. Just put your big girl panties on and just do it. And, it. and I did. And it saved my life, honestly. So I had a hematoma. I was bleeding internally instead of externally. And my pelvic floor had a big hematoma. And I had a really bad infection. So they, so they start me on the, all of the um, antibiotics for septic infection, because it's in your bloodstream. I'm hallucinating. I'm talking to people who aren't there. My husband's like, Livia, go to sleep. And I'm like, but I can't. They're talking to me. It's rude if I don't respond. I have to respond because that's who I am. I don't want to be rude. I'm a good girl, right? <laughs> I do what I'm told. So I'm talking to these people who aren't there. I mean, it's crazy. And I'm I'm seeing, it's such a, a crazy experience. I'm seeing all these things in the hospital, in the floor above me that had happened years before and days before. And I knew it, I felt it. I, I mean, I, it was crazy to me. And they finally got me, you know, I was on an ICU. I finally got the infection down because they can't do surgery while you have this infection. So I'm getting, I'm on all sorts of like vital support. And they gave me a blood thinner. I have no idea who decided this was a good idea because I'm already bleeding internally. It's not gonna help me. I wake up in the middle of the night. This is, um, I will give you a fair warning that this is not safe for work. <laughs> I woke up in the middle of the night, blood coming out of my nipples, blood coming out of my ears, my nose, my belly button, out of the oh. things, the, uh, the stitches that I had from the previous surgery, pools of blood, blood coming out everywhere. And, and I was like, oh, 
some something is not good. Something is very not good here. So I called my husband in the middle of the night and I said, "Yeah, hey, I think um, I think I'm dying. So uh, oh. do you do you think that maybe like you could come here really early because the COVID protocol is still there? So he's not at the hospital. No one's there with me. Oh I remember God. they kept coming in in the middle of the night and like waking me up, telling me to breathe because I kept flatlining. So this amazing man, um, he comes in, he's an, uh, he's a cancer doctor, but it's for like obstetrician, obsted, I don't know what the word is, but that's the kind of cancer he deals with. Okay. He comes in and, and he says, I need to do surgery. I need to explain to you why I need to do surgery. And I said, okay, do I have to have it? And he said, yeah. So mind you, it's 11 days after my hysterectomy. It's surgery number four. And I'm like, I, I can't I, I can't do this. I, I just can't do this. You have to do this. I don't have a choice. And it's emergency surgery. You don't really get to say, you sign all the papers. He goes in, he tries to take the hematoma out robotically through all of like the little holes that they make. It's so bad in there, he can't. So he undoes my vaginal cuff, which had been sewn from my previous hysterectomy, has to take out the hematoma hole, has to take out all of the parts of the endometriosis that he can see, because mind you, now the endo is angry and it's bleeding, it's feeding heavily on this hematoma on my pelvic floor. And so he, he puts in this starch, I have no idea what it's called, I just know it's a starch, to stop the bleeding and redoes my vaginal cuff stitches and I'm on 12 weeks of bed rest after this surgery. So I'm in the hospital now for like another, I, I don't know, 11, 12 days after that one. And mind you, I, I'm huge. Like, like I had five babies in me, huge, swollen. And I, I eventually get to a place where I'm off like IV pain meds and whatnot. I come home, I'm on 12 weeks of bed rest, the worst 12 weeks ever. It was so boring. Um, <laughs> and I thought I was done, right? I had a good, like, I felt real good for like two months after those 12 months of bed rest was over. And I started getting really bad cramps again. So I went back to the doctor and she said, I think you need to go to like an endometriosis specialist because what they do is they go in and they take out everything that could be microscopic. Now, mind you, at this point, I still have my ovaries because you need your ovaries to produce estrogen so your bones are strong. And surgery number five, I get told in April of that following year. So I was off bed rest in uh, January of 23. Fifth. Yep, of 23. Yeah. And we met in March of 23. Right, so I had those two good months. I met um, Alex, I don't know if you wanna tell the story or not, but- no, You can, you can. Um, so I, I'm at this retreat to deal with trauma because I had been through some shit, <laughs> you know? And for whatever reason, there's a whole, like mess hall of places that people can sit. And I was there on a private uh, one. So I wasn't in all the other groups. And here comes this angel sits down at my table and she says, can I sit here? And I said, yeah, sit here, you know? And um, we just started talking and I, I felt this, like, I don't know how to explain it. It's like, ever, if you've ever driven a manual shift car and it's like time to shift when the engine speed matches the transmission speed and then you shift. It's like that perfect timing. And I sat down and that vibration was like, I need this girl in my life. That was one time I saw her. So I'm there for the whole week and I'm looking for her every day. 
every meal, every day, every chance I can to get to her. And finally, at the last day, I grabbed her phone number. And I mean, this just beautiful friendship formed afterwards. And, you know, we got each other through a lot of things, mm-hmm. including, yes. <laughs> including surgery number five that yeah. I had to have. Oh my goodness. We spent many nights yeah. throughout that last, like the next probably good solid six to nine months, like on the phone for hours. Like, yeah, yeah. She's really special in my heart. And it was meant yeah. to be. Meet it was meant to be that she meeting her was uh, it was a gift. I mean, it really was meant to be. And so we met in what was it, April, March, March, um, and right end of March. And then in April, they told me I had to have surgery again, and I just said no, I can't do it yet. I'm just not ready, <laughs> like emotionally, physically. I can't mm-hmm. do this. Can I just? Can I give myself a couple of months? Is it going to kill me if I wait? They said, no, but it's, you're going to have bad pain. And I said, I don't care. I'll deal with the pain. I just, here's the stepmom part. My stepdaughter swims during the summer. She's on a swim team. She loves it. It is every weekend. It's so important to her. If I had surgery in April, I would have missed her whole swim season. And I know what that would have done to her that I wouldn't have been able to be there. And her father wouldn't have been able to be there because he would have been home taking care of me. So I scheduled my surgery at the end of swim season. And I just dealt with it because I wanted to show up for her because I know how important that is. And I know that when she grows up, she will remember that that's what I did. I showed up when it was important. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so I think that endometriosis needs attention. Is it possible that we can do like a follow-up and we can talk about what that looks like and how women can get through endometriosis and the support that they need to seek because they are in pain and they don't even know it and they have to have resources. So For let's sure. maybe do a special endometriosis episode. I love that. It's super important yeah. because there's a lot of a lot of girls who do have it and they don't know why and they don't know what it is. So um, I do think that we should have a part two. And then I also think that during that part two, maybe next week, Livia, that we could talk about what has transpired in the last year and and surgery number five, right? So yeah, yeah, I think that would probably be the best. And um, this all leads to the most recent, like, few days ago, right? Yeah, yeah. So we'll yeah. find out all about that as well. It's kind of like circling all back. Yeah. And then also, I usually ask at the end of the podcast what resilience means to you, but I think I'm going to wait and ask at the end of the next podcast. Yeah. Okay. 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 Is that cool? Yeah. All right, cool. All right. Well, then, thank you so much for sharing everything that you did today. You did such an amazing job. I love you so much. You're such I love you so much. Oh, my God. Okay. Well, we'll link up then this next week, and we'll have a part two for you. Um, and I'm sure that, too. All right. Do you Yay. guys have questions for her before? We Where do her? we follow you until next week? At Miss Livy Doll. At, At Miss Livy Doll. Miss Livy Doll. Oh, yeah. I think I just followed you today. Oh, because really? I think I just, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's me. So it's all coming together. It is. Yay. I love that. <laughs> all right. Well, yeah. And Yay. you can check her out. You can see what she's all about. Well, what do you do? Like, what do you tell people what you're like, what you like, why you have a, we have one minute left, but okay. tell people like what you used to do, which I think is super cool. Or what do, I used to but, do? But, you, but yeah, like on social, remember how you told me that, like what you used to do, like you dressed up and. Oh, I cosplay. Yeah. Yeah. Cosplay. Like 
Okay. I constantly, like superheroes and I go to comic cons and I get invited as a celebrity guest to comic cons and like people come and I take pictures and um so I make my own costumes because I am an engineer and I make everything by hand and then I it's just fun like it's a great way to express your creativity and then like sure. use your hands and you know it's an outlet it's a healthy outlet <laughs> instead okay, of yeah. all the other In unhealthy outlets you know yeah for sure <laughs> that's dope make sure so. you check her out yep check cool. me out at miss Libby Dell on instagram she has 82 followers she's famous the check hey <laughs> buzzfeed got me the blue check thank you <laughs> <laughs> All right, that was our resilient guest. She did an amazing job. And of course, you heard that we're gonna be doing a second one next week. So we'll have a part two coming up. And honestly, it's just, her life is just that. It's like one thing after another, but I'm excited for you guys to hear what her last year of life has been like. And just to hear her true resiliency is actually insane. This is someone who is exactly that. So if you want to be a guest on our podcast, hit us up on Instagram, resilientaf3, and we'll hit you back. Yes. All right, now it's time for trivia. They have buns and they have thoughts, but do they have brains? It's time to find out with Hot Seat Trivia. Alex Fresh, Amelia Jackson. Woo-woo. One baddie will bring her body yaddy yaddy out of the room. The other baddie will attempt to answer 10 questions in 60 seconds. Your first answer is the only answer, so think before you speak. If you don't know an answer, pass. And if we have time, we'll come back. Just say pass. Yep, after the first baddie goes, the next baddie will go, and then we'll see answers to the most questions. So Alex, leave the room. All right, here I go. <laughs> All right. Bye. This week, as Alex requested last week, because she is the champ, uh, she chose Jersey Ashley Shore. Ashley oh, well, Alex, leave the room. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Amelia chose Jersey Shore, so you know Jersey Shore well. I mean, yes. not really, to be honest. I'm going to be honest with you, because I wasn't really allowed to watch it back in the day. But oh, so why did you choose it? Okay, Alex, she thought it was a good idea, too. All right, well, 60 seconds on the clock. Okay. What part of Jersey Shore was the show filmed? Jersey Shore. Which roommate was stalked by Danielle in season one? Polly D. Where was the fourth season filmed? Italy, Florence. What does MVP nights mean? I don't know, pass. Which roommate moved into the Jersey Shore house with all of her stuff in garbage bags? Angeliners. What was the nickname given to an ugly girl? Grenade. What was the name of the popular nightclub that the cast always went to? Oh fuck, pass. What is the name of Snooky's vibrator? Oh, Vinny. Who are the meatballs? Dina and Snooky. How many roommates did Jersey Shore see in total? Seven. What does MVP nights mean? Multiple vaginal pussies. Time. I have no idea. All right, you should have said GTL. That's easy. I mean, Jim, Tan, laundry. Andre. Alex. Oh, Mike, Vinny, Polly. God damn it. Alex. All right. 60 seconds on the clock, Alex. Hold on, fuck on. Okay, here we go. 60 seconds on the clock. What part of Jersey Shore was the show filmed? Jersey Shore? Which roommate was stalked by Danielle in season one? 
Mass. Where was the fourth season filmed? New Jersey. What does MVP nights mean? MVP nights? Yes. Most valuable pimp. <laughs> Which roommate moved into the Jersey Shore house with her stuff in garbage bags? Angelina. What was the nickname given to an ugly girl at the club? Renee. What was the name of the popular nightclub that the cast went to? <sighs> Jenks. What is the name of Snooki's vibrator? Crocodilly. Who are the meatballs? Dina and Snooki. How many roommates did the Jersey Shore see in total? Seven. Which roommate was stalked by Danielle in season one? Which roommate was stalked by Danielle? Oh, uh, oh, it was um, Polly D. All right. I won. I won. <laughs> Let's go over the answers. All right. She looked up Jersey Shore trivia. Hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> did you? No. Uh -huh. Yes, she did. She absolutely did. <laughs> There's no way. Right. <laughs> Those were hard questions too. All right, ready? So, what part of Jersey Shore was the show filmed? <laughs> yes, it was in Jersey Shore, but we were looking for Seaside Heights. Oh, I knew there was another yeah. fucking one. So mm -hmm. Nobody got that one. Fuck. Which did you say Jersey Shore? I did. Which roommate was stalked by Danielle in season one? You guys were both correct. Holly D. Yes. Mm -hmm. I was going to say Vinny or somebody, but I switched it. Where was the fourth season filmed? The fourth? The fourth. Oh, Miami. Nope. No. Florence, Italy. Oh yeah, that's right. Okay, scores two high. I, I thought you said the four season. What does MVP <laughs> nights mean? Not most valuable pin. What is it? It was the boys' night. Mike, Mike, Vinny, Polly, Polly. And Vinny. Oh, for the love of God! No one got that point. Yeah. Where's the GTL? Which that's the easy. That's one. what I said. That's easy. We all know that. I don't give a fuck. Gym, I need easy. <laughs> laundry. Okay. What did you say for the MVP? I said. I have no idea. Oh, okay. I said something crazy. Okay. But then I, I realized and I was like, oh, fuck. Uh, which roommate moved into the Jersey Shore with her stuff in garbage bags? Angelina. The Staten Island dump. Mm -hmm. yeah, so I don't like Angelina. Both of you guys got a point for that. What was the nickname given to an ugly girl at the club? Grenade. Didn't she say Renee? Grenade. Yeah, but during the thing, you said Renee. You didn't say grenade. Grenade. No. Grenade. <laughs> Is there a Renee in your life? Grenade. 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 Play back the tapes. Play it play back, back. Play it back. Play it back. <laughs> Renee, you are kind of having like a little bit of a stroke today with your words. So. <laughs> what did you say? I said grenade. Okay, grenade. I guess we'll give her the point. The fuck? Oh, okay. Well, I might not be winning then. What was the name of the popular nightclub that the cast went to? Club Karma. Ah. Oh. Yeah. I was so confident too. That's what uh, I said. Karma. Oh, and it just got shut down. It just got shut down. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. Um, Wasn't Jenks one too? No. no. I don't know. I feel like that was probably on like Real World or something. What is the name of Snooki's vibrator? I didn't get what that one. What is it? Elmo. Tickle me, Elmo. Oh. Oh. You said crocodile. That's her little like I know. I know toy that, was, that she's like, had maybe, since she was a baby. She, maybe she named it her oh, fucking God. thing too. <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah, the thing that she carries around with her. Her stuffed animal. You guys both got this one. Who are the meatballs? Dina and Snooks. Mm-hmm. And finally, how many roommates did Jersey Shore see in total? You said seven. You said seven. It was nine. Oh. oh nine who? Nine including Angelina. Oh, because oh. I was so, gonna say eight too, but then I still would have wrong. The score, Amelia, five. Alex, four. Oh my god! 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 Oh my
gosh. Congratulations. I'm getting my Emmy right now. Thank you so much. I want to thank all, all the, the little love. people. Thank you. I want to thank you for being you. And thank you for MTV. Thank you so much. And shout out to Snooki. All right. I do still follow Snooki and half the crew. Do you? I do. They I look like so different now. They do. Well, that's it for this week. So make sure to follow us on Instagram at ResilientAF3. You can also follow all of us individually. I'm at that Dreas. I'm at EmiliaJackson94. I'm at Bennett No. And email us. Email us. She says. What's the email? <laughs> ResilientAF3 at gmail.com. All right. We'll see you all next week. Bye. Bye. <laughs>